You're listening to Craig Walker's Future Of podcast, where we bring together conversations with thought leaders from across the world to unpack what's next in the design of products, services, and experiences. I'm Jeremy Walker, director and co-founder of Craig Walker, a design and research agency with a mission to design the greatest positive impact for the greatest number of people. For our first series, Shanaz Engineer, a senior design researcher at Craig Walker, explores the future of retail banking, talking to leaders from around the world with a range of different perspectives. In this episode, she has a conversation with Oliver Senti, the head of Open Innovation Labs and Transformation at Red Hat, operating within the Asia-Pacific region. Oliver is an entrepreneur and business leader who's worked across financial services, retail and public sectors, building and leading teams across Europe, the Middle East and Asia. Prior to joining Red Hat, he was the practice manager of the IBM Cloud Garage, IBM center for the high-impact client-centric innovation. We hear him talk about the technological disruptions impacting the sector at speed, unpacking the future of open technologies and open banking models, before ending with a provocation about the future and the so what for the future of products, services, and experiences. Red Hat has an, a setup within services today that helps our clients innovate and apply the technology that we provide to them. And it's, you know, of course, uh, Linux, but also the container platforms on top and, and uh, data services, etc. And with that, most importantly, look at how they could improve the way they work. Mm. Because we see that still today, while technology adoption is a challenge, most challenged are our clients with the adoption of culture or change of culture, really, and the adoption of new ways of working. And that's really my job in the Open Innovation Lab across Asia Pacific, that we help our clients with those methodologies, how we collaborate, how we work, how do we uh, make decisions, how do we prioritize? That's some major challenges still our clients are having today. Would really interested me in joining Red Hat was that the culture Red Hat is having, it's an open culture, and that means it's a bottom-up culture, um, uh, really driven by ourselves, the associates. Mm -hmm. And also with that, the opportunity we have in providing open source technology to our enterprise and other clients mm -hmm. because that really unlocks innovation because if you look at at more closed software and you know a lot of the of the software of course today has open source components in it right but being truly open is entirely different again and that really makes a difference on how we engage and that openness is not just the code that is developed by and with the community, mm -hmm. but also the way we engage. So as an example, the practices we, we use in the Open Innovation Lab are from the Open Practice Library. And that's a, a library created by Red Hat and the community. And everything is out there in the open. You can contribute to that. You mm -hmm. can use and change it. You can provide or suggest new 
methods that work for you and you think you know the world could actually profit from that i think that is very interesting and that's that is really what what motivated me to join red hat that's a huge opportunity to change the way we engage and do business and and open up innovation most importantly which I'm, i'm very interested in it's great to hear about these more open models emerging to really open up innovation but Oliver, could you expand on the leading players within these communities? Obviously, there are developers, designers, and leaders from different organizations. What are some other key players? The communities are um, in the software domain, largely developers, of course, but also there are architects in there, there are designers. There's also our partners in the ecosystem that are part mm. of that community and um, uh, also universities mm. and schools are also part of that community. And that's also then for us a way to give back to those communities, right? Mm. And just seeing also what the need is of those communities, not just, you know, the communities that create the software or innovations, but also the community that actually uses the software mm. is very interesting. And since we are having really open dialogues, how we create what we call open spaces to then unlock that innovation and also give something back to the community. Mm, such a great foundation to build off. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because, because there's no boundaries per se, right? Oliver, there are obviously some clear benefits of open source systems as inspiring a new way of thinking and the speed of an entire ecosystem working together. Are there any other benefits of an open source system? Is it more secure, for instance? Yes, especially the security aspect, I think we should really highlight. As the code is not just jacked by one company, right, but by many hundreds of people, and it is open for everybody to see. And that truly creates a more secure uh, code base. That, that's, mm. that's critical, right? What has open source traditionally meant for financial institutions? Yeah, I, I think we, we, we got to distinguish between operating systems and the services maybe, right? Yeah. And the operating systems, for a long time already, they have been, a lot of the systems have run on Linux. Mm. which is the foundation of open source technology for an enterprise. So this is where you're running applications on and you use an open system to do that. But as we go up the stack and we reach now a containerized infrastructure or a containerized application landscape, the concept of open um, becomes also important with regards to how we integrate those systems, right? Mm-hmm. And how we collaborate with the ecosystem. So as a bank, and we've certainly all heard about open banking. So it's not just about opening up the bank per se to others and let, you know, mm-hmm. let them use your services, but also you may provide services to them, but also how do you allow your workloads to be deployed wherever it makes sense the most 
from an economical perspective. And it's, you know, that concept of openness then becomes a very different one from just using application services that are open source from actually being my architecture is actually open and my enterprise mm. is open in the sense that I can decide where my workload runs because having a, a, an open hybrid cloud based on an application platform that is not fixed to a certain type of infrastructure allows you to do that. And that's what we um, what we provided Red Hat that that capability to a bank to open up and run the workloads wherever they may see fit, without being uh, hindered or blocked in how they go about producing and creating their services. Yeah, it's interesting to understand how this openness might transpire across an organization. Do you think this will lead to a future where banking may become more invisible? That is, I think, maybe for every bank to decide whether they want to be invisible, so to speak, and really provide infrastructure services um, to themselves and others, so they become the backbone, or whether a bank wants to play or provide an exceptional user experience by providing a whole journey to a client and then integrating services from other companies to make that happen. So I guess that, that's for every bank to decide. But surely the infrastructure, the architecture itself that the bank needs should evolve in the direction of a microservices or a services architecture, right? Oliver, could you give us an example of what one of these journeys might look like? In my head, I imagine a situation where Say you're purchasing a home and the bank might aggregate services together to make that experience seamless for the user. But how might this become part of a larger life journey? Yes, sure. I think uh, the, the, the example of purchasing a home is a good one. And, you know, also if you think today, how do I actually get involved in banking from, you know, when I, you know, from, from, from my childhood? So somebody may actually bring you to the bank, physical branch, and then you go and open an account and you, you, you put your savings in there. But maybe there's different ways to start this journey because you have needs from the very beginning. Also as a child, if you go to school, you have to pay for your lunch. Still today, my daughter will pay cash. There's other options, but they're not integrated. They're standalone. And hence, it's not easy for me to go and reload the card because I cannot go to the bank to do that. I have to go to a special station and reload the card. So the, the, the journey is fragmented. So if you think about it that way, what would the bank need to provide? So from a very young age, when I need basic services like payments mm. or just putting my savings in the bank, but still making them accessible wherever I need the money, um, you know, and then going all the way to university school, university, and then, you know, uh, then you purchase a home. And currently they're purchasing a home, and for some bank it's, it's different already, but typically you go to the bank just for the loan. But what would happen if the bank provides you with the whole of the experience? What would happen if they would actually help you design the home, find your right location, making sure that you know, 
the furniture and all the fixtures that you put in are of the quality you're asking for and last for a lifetime, right? So what happens if they provide you with all the services around that? You need to connect electricity, telephone, water, all those things. Typically, you run to each of the agencies themselves. Could the bank provide that in a whole of a chaining? Just, you know, really um, collaborate with other institutions and agencies to fulfill that journey for you. Mm. Also commercial or business banking, because in business banking, my journey is also fragmented. Mm. So if I start a business as a, as a, as a private person, maybe a hobby rather, right? So maybe I start baking cookies or something. I cannot go to a bank today and open an account that I need to actually conduct my business because at the end, I need to pay a supplier. It might be a small amount in the beginning, but at some point I may need a new equipment. So I may need a loan. I may grow bigger and then need a commercial kitchen. So I may re rent a space, but you may need a loan for that. And then once you grow in that space, the, the needs to open the respective banking services just becomes apparent. But by that time, you have moved so far that you may not have been able to profit from the bank as it should have been in the beginning. Hence, you may have tapped into other vendors to fulfill that need. Mm. So why couldn't the bank provide you with that, a journey from the very beginning and then recognize the potential and grow with you as you go along? You start your selling your cookies, you need a web shop maybe, you need customer service, you need a chat function, be it WhatsApp or something else, right? Um, then you may even grow into providing your own technology because you need to open up. Um, what happens if you go to a fair? You need a POS, you know? So, And the bank could actually be at the, at the intersection of all of that and provide that infrastructure to you because they... They, they connect with all those players anyway. Mm. So I think that's where I see an, an open bank could actually go towards to and provide me with a very valuable and interesting end-to-end -end journey. It's so fascinating to think about how open banking models might encourage an ecosystem approach and begin to connect different partners to deliver a frictionless user experience. But what role do you think personalization needs to play in optimizing their user experience? Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. And you know, the, the personalization aspect, of course, is, is, is a must. And, and with that, being recognized as who I, who, who I am with the bank. So I, I expect them to know me, right? <laughs> so as an example today, I checked in for my flight to Switzerland and it just didn't work because the airline forgot everything about me. So, okay, sure. So I start typing in everything again. Okay. That, you know, that's not the best of experience. <laughs> so I guess, yes, personalization is a must, but also what is more important that was an interesting conversation Kano and I had some time back is that if I leave a certain institution or if I need other services connected to that institution, it, it must not be a bank per se, it could be something else. Mm. Can I take my data with me? Mm. And maybe all the knowledge that has been acquired about me because I own this and then provide this to my new institution or another institution. 
right? So what happens, for instance, hotel preferences, they should be my preferences and I can provide them to each hotel that I go to, not just to my, you know, standard hotel that I always go to or my, 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 my normal hotel, but take that data with me and provide it to somebody else. And I think that's um, going to be critical in the future because today, the especially financial services institutions, they um, own my trust. Mm. Okay. But what happens if other businesses uh, are established, also from the government perspective, that um, may require the same sort of trust and hence the same sort of data? Can I take that from this current financial service institution and bring it to the new one or to an other one because I need to augment the services I have to build my journey myself? And as I guess that that openness as well applies to my personal data. I need to be able to move it and own it and decide what's going to be done to beat that. And so if my preferences change, I want to change that in my settings, so to speak, right? And be able to let others know that things have changed. That idea of being able to own, amend and share your own data with different entities is really interesting to think about. How do you imagine that data or even your identification attached to it being stored securely? Does that require, say, a partnership with the government or the use of blockchain technology? Yeah, it, it may require a partnership with the government, as, as, as I trust my government, but also it may require different types of technology, like blockchain as an example, uh, where I can truly own the data and trace it back. There are certain services already that, that are available to me that I can tap into and extract data from the various services that I'm using, especially social media, and own the data and manage it. So that's an, a new service that's being provided. Um, on the other hand, um, there could be other services being established that go broader than just the social media, really owing my profile, you know, my health profile. And in, in Singapore, there are services available from the government that allow me to look at my health profile, look at my personal profile, provide this to a bank. So I could open a bank account just by going to that government service. Like, well, this is, this is my data. Here you go. And that institution would trust that data because it's coming from the government, right? So for instance, I recently signed up for a car sharing uh, service. And all I have to do is go to my government ID and, and link the two services up and that's it. Because, and then everything is done. I don't need to upload anything. I don't need to provide additional information. It just happens so. And the data that I've stored uh, or provided to the government is, of course, uh, um, uh, authenticated by me. And I, I own the data, right? Mm. It also makes me responsible to keep the data up to date. Yeah. There is a multitude of services and technologies required to manage and secure that data and make it available to us. With your experience in open banking, open source technologies, do you think one day open banking might enable communities to do banking without even needing banks? Yeah, so I guess we, we have to look at redefining what the bank 
is providing, right? And again, I think the, 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 the banks play a critical role with regards to trust, but also the infrastructure they established. And hence, even if the bank you know, is, is invisible for that matter, um, there is new products that come up and, and a community for that matter. And in this, in this sense, we speak about maybe a village, right? Or a neighborhood, or even your family as a community co-create entirely new products with that infrastructure that the bank provides to you, then that ecosystem becomes a very different one from today. Because today you have to go to the bank to uh, request a travel loan. But in the future, I could use the bank to set it up for me and someone else gives me the loan and the bank manages it for me. Right? <laughs> with, with, the, with the bank opening up, so to speak, with open banking and coupled with, with open technology, of course, that the communities, and in this sense, you know, the neighborhoods, the villages, the families, they can build their own banking products and services to fulfill their needs. I think that that's going to be very exciting. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about. If we think about the design of financial services, for hundreds of years, banks have been driven by profit as a key driver of success. However, if the dial is shifting toward open banking, where the key driver of success is around communities, it's interesting to think about how the outcomes might differ. Yeah, it opens up for totally different uh, business models and collaborations, right? And still, the, the, the bank is essential because still, they, they um, hold our trust. So we, we trust the bank with our money. Because if I open up, my services are available so I can connect them to a journey or can quickly set up a, a savings account for my next holidays where everybody can chip in or for a birthday party or whatever it might be. Even for a new home, you think about communities that actually chip in to build homes together. Uh, so that that is opening up a very very different type of banking services today, and again the loan may not come from the bank, but the bank is entrusted with managing that and providing all the services so I can achieve my goal. Oliver, if you look to the future of retail banking, say in ten years, can you paint us a picture of what that might look like and what you would love to see? Yes. Well, I would really love retail banking to provide me with my life journey, not knowing that it is provided by a bank, so really quite transparent and invisible for that matter, mm. but really that I enjoy that service being provided to me. And no matter where I go, what I do, I have that service that I need provided to me. And again, since I trust my bank, it will be good to you know to extend that trust further and just be be a very very seamless experience that's what i will be looking for no matter where i am no matter what i do i have that at my fingertip and some some banks are embarking on this already and it's it's a really good experience well that brings us to the end of this conversation 
been a deep dive into how embracing an openness beyond technology may unlock meaningful opportunities for collaboration and encourage an ecosystem of new partners. And we hope we've left you with some interesting things to think about in the context of the products, services, or experiences you're designing. A big thank you to our guest, Oliver Senti, for joining Shinez Engineering Conversation with production and editing by Tom Hogan. The Future Of series was brought to you by Craig Walker, a global design and research consultancy that works with the world's leading organizations. Find lots more to think about from our team at craigwalker.com.au slash journal. Follow Craig Walker on Twitter and Instagram at Craig Walker Studio. And if you have any thoughts about the show or would like to talk to us, reach out in an email to hello at craigwalker.com.au. Thanks for listening. Yeah.